and go. Hello, Stevie. Hi, Emily. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing really well. I feel so happy right now. I'm so glad. Why is that? <laughs> because I was sitting in my living room by the fire editing the episode that's going to come out tomorrow. And I was smoking some weed with my mom. We were listening to bread. Just, love you know, it. Life is good. I love that. How was your night? It was, uh, it was good. I had to um, watch my cousin play Minecraft for an hour. <laughs> Sounds just fascinating. It was fantastic. That's Scully with William if she was allowed to raise him. Literally. <laughs> yeah, if she didn't if she didn't have to give him up, you mean? You know. Yeah, silly, for sure. Silly little things. Yeah, silly little thoughts. That's um, us. <laughs> Did we tell you that we're rebranding ourselves as the silly little thoughts? <laughs> silly little thoughts who have silly little thoughts. That's us. That's us. If you want it on a sweater, let us know. But, um, yeah, it was good. Good. I had some chocolate mm. and some um, um, chickpea pasta. Have you ever had that? No, was it good? It's really good, yeah. I mean, it doesn't, like, it's not normal pasta, but, like, it's good. Mm. Mm. And I listened to my favorite song on my way home. It was great. What song? Androgynous by The Replacements? Question mark. Fun song. I love that song so much. I had never heard of it before you showed it to me. Um, I got it from Florence. And it was one of those songs that like I had played it because she recommended it and I didn't really yeah, the replacements. And I didn't really like it. And then I just revisited it and now I love it so much. I love songs like that where when they first come to you, you're like, eh, it's not really my vibe, and then like life changes and things happen and yeah. you refine the song and it's like oh my god i love that too it's my favorite yeah. thing that's how i feel about janis joplin actually totally because i really tried to listen to janis joplin in high school because i was very pretentious about my music taste and i was like yeah i need to like her and i could not i did not like any of her songs like i really yeah. it was just too much for me i think mm -hmm. and then recently like you should got me back into janis joplin because I think you were recommended a song or something to me. And now I listen to her so often. Nothing nothing slaps like a Janis Joplin tune. That's fucking true. All right. Do All you right. want to get into the question? Let's do it. So the question is, hi. <laughs> hi. <Let's> <laughs> I want to <Let's>... talk back. <laughs> okay. I want to have people call in. Yeah. How fun would that be? That would be terrifying. Live for advice would be so fun. Let's see if I can manage to word this question. I often find Twitter challenging because of the extent to which it's normalized to express so much self-hatred constantly. I empathize so much with those who struggle with self-esteem, but I do also find it can negatively affect my mindset as well as making me feel so sad for people who are struggling. But I know it's my responsibility if I'm affected by what I see on the timeline. So I guess my question is, do you address this when you see it? Do you feel a responsibility to... And do you have any thoughts about the way it is, it's so normalized? We have many thoughts. Yes, we have lots of thoughts. Well, first of all, that's like a very valid thing to be struggling with it. Emily and I struggle with that frequently. Very, very often. And I think too, um, just like as a baseline, 
it's a it's a it's a slippery slope because Stevie and I were talking about it's wonderful that like this is a part of social media maybe like you know until you really curate like your platforms for you mm-hmm. maybe the only um department in social media where it's not just a filtered version of someone's reality and it, you're not just seeing the best moments in someone's life and then mm-hmm. thinking that that's their whole life right. um so i think like it is really special that there is a place where people feel comfortable to to not feel like they have to blur the struggles out of their life yeah um and i think like the the biggest like the line that exists there is that it can be really beautiful when people are vulnerable on the internet and it can also be really detrimental when that becomes their coping mechanism. Oh, absolutely. And I think too, um, just what the question was addressing, like it's very, very valid to empathize with the the people that you see struggling Mm -hmm. and also have that negatively affect your mindset. Like those two things can absolutely coexist and it doesn't make you a bad person and it doesn't mean that um, you're incapable of empathizing with them because you feel like your um, mental health would be better suited if it wasn't like constantly bombarding your timeline. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Um, And um, I think it's... It's difficult because while it is absolutely your responsibility to and and like the and a gift that you're able to curate your social media and fandom experience to what you want it to be, mm-hmm. I can absolutely understand how like um, seeing someone who's constantly struggling and and adopting the mindset of like this is too much for me so I'm just gonna mute them or like I'm gonna unfollow them I can totally understand how that (laughs) feels like not the best thing to do um because you're human and you have empathy and you feel you know everyone's been there everyone's been there to a certain to a certain extent and so um I mean I don't know do you want to like get into like what we've done in the past or our views on on what we do when it's kind of this perpetual um self-harm in terms of um the end of the question what is it again i <laughs> know you just read it uh do you address this when you see it and do you feel a responsibility to i know that my experience is that i find it i worry that i am being enabling if i comment on somebody's post with just kind of like making really light of it because I don't want to just because they're posting about it on Twitter doesn't necessarily mean that it's light. And so I don't want to assume that when interacting. And so if it's something that I see as like a major red flag, that's like makes me worry or feel concerned. I usually just address it via DMS and I'll like message people and say like, Hey, I just saw this. I wanted you to know that. Um, and I only do this if I'm in the mindset to provide support for somebody. Um, and say like, hey, this space is open if you need something to talk about or offer. Um, if it's something that's within my realm of experience, I'll offer any advice of things that might have helped me. Um, and then just leave it up to the other person and if they want to use that resource or not. Um, yeah, I do the same thing. Um, I'd love to talk more about like this enabling factor because um, I think that that's, I see a lot of that. Mm, yeah. One of the doctor, one of the therapists that we quote a lot oh. on this podcast, Dr. Nedra, 
um, she had a post and it said, it's not your responsibility to be in control of the lives of other people. You cannot control what others do, even when what they're doing is harmful to themselves. Enabling is done out of love. However, it stops people from being able to take responsibility for their lives. Wow. And I think that that kind of like sums up how I feel perfectly about situations like this. And I think how you just described like the actions that you just described mm-hmm. that you take. Yeah. Which is that like, ultimately all that you can do is it's never a bad thing to reach out. If you're right. able to, like maybe the person wasn't, you know, maybe the person was over-exaggerating or like it wasn't meant to be as serious as they had intended. Like, but either way, it's yeah. better to reach out than to assume that it was, mm-hmm. um, ingest and so if you're able to and if you're not like that's okay to respect that because of exactly what this quote says like because at a certain point it it, and it is absolutely um valid and and i think right for you to say it, it, it could get to a point where you just say this space is very much open if you need someone to talk to um but there will be moments where like um and i think just ultimately a lot of this is that person's work to do. Yeah. And that's 100% valid to say to that person. Um, because it is like, you can only provide what you can in the capacity that you can. And at a certain point, it is always that person's, the tra- the person's trauma isn't their fault, but their healing is their responsibility. Yes, exactly. And so, and so ultimately you can listen to them. You can provide the support that you can but I wouldn't go into it. I think DMing someone is um, incredibly brave. And I think that that's really, really cool. Um, But ultimately it isn't your responsibility to heal them or to fix them. Yes, It's just your responsibility to listen and support if you are able to. Exactly. And I think like, I find it more helpful to, if I'm able to send it, if I'm going to interact, send a direct message, because I think in the casual conversation of very serious mental health topics on a timeline, those very serious topics get very desensitized. And then we're just scrolling through people expressing serious traumas and serious pain as if it's nothing. And that's Mm -hmm. not a mindset that I want to get into. I don't want to be desensitized to those things. Like I don't want to be numb to seeing those things. And so, and like, and like the quote says like enabling. And when we're talking about enabling, it's like um, that, like an example of that would be if someone expresses like severe um, self-harm on the timeline or, because of course there are moments where public support is great. Like right. if you're hyping somebody up or if you're making someone feel better about themselves, particularly with self-esteem, like mm-hmm. if they're just having a bad day, that's fantastic. Like yeah. hype the shit out of them. Um, but I think like Stevia said, when it comes to more serious things, like where people are projecting serious traumas and serious self-harm onto the timeline, people respond with what is supportive but nevertheless enabling mm-hmm. um, when what is required is a very private conversation that requires hard truths mm. is just as harmful as what's being projected. Exactly. Um, because it like, it creates this perpetual state of, of projecting this harm onto the timeline mm-hmm. and then getting that 
um, instant gratification of people coming back and saying, um, and, and, and providing the support that only is temporary um, in, in relief. When the reality is like healing doesn't happen on social media. Healing is really, really hard. And it requires you to take a look in the mirror that isn't necessarily going to be easy to face, Mm -hmm. but it's certainly not something that happens on social media on a regular basis. Yeah. And I think that that's like where the question is focused. It's like just this perpetual um, projection of self-harm and self-hate on the timeline, which is horrible. Exactly. And I think like, I understand very viscerally Um, finding comfort in that kind of instant gratification because like I know maybe not to the extreme of some people when they're talking about like the mental health things but like on days where I have low self-esteem days I know that if I post a picture where I look good I'm going to get a certain amount of immediate reaction that's going to make me feel good in the immediate but is that going to be helpful in me addressing like long-term ingrained self-esteem issues no absolutely not if anything, it's going to be detrimental to that growth that I'm doing, trying totally. to find. And so like, I think like the first step to getting out of that like toxic cycle of instant gratification is working on um, first being aware that that's what you're craving and trying to like physically identify why that instant gratification feels good. Like what about those interactions? And then replicating what you're getting back that you're finding helpful yourself. Like those things that people say to you, work on like saying that to yourself in tenfold, like turning that back on yourself. That way you you learn to be independent of that gratification because it's okay to like, to to acknowledge that that feels good and that people's compliments and people expressing support for you feels really good. But when you are using that as something to keep you going until the next time you have a serious influx of these feelings is when it gets really detrimental not only to yourself but to everybody totally like involved on the like on your timeline people who are messaging you all those things well because it does it does three things right it it becomes addictive for the person struggling mm-hmm. and it creates a really vicious cycle it bars the person struggling from from truly looking and seeing exactly what uh, they're 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 dealing with mm-hmm. and 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 the real truths of what they're going through um and and acknowledging the severity of it the potential severity of it and then in turn being able to heal from that um and going back to the question like it normalizes it yeah and while a cert- I absolutely believe that like mental health needs to be destigmatized and needs to be normalized, but yes. um, it gets to a point where you just find yourself saying like, I can't watch this person hurt themselves anymore. Or like, I can't watch mm-hmm. you hurt yourself anymore. And that's absolutely more than valid. And I think going back to Stevie's point too, like what you said about wanting to um, like post a selfie or something on a day where you're not feeling great it's like, there's nothing wrong with that. No. But the, um, I think that that's badass. But what I think is badass is that admission that. um, That's where that's coming from. It's because like, yeah, it's because when like, you know, it, it might seem like a little thing, but it's like when you're saying something that you don't actually feel that ultimately is just harming yourself. Exactly. 
Um, and I think one of the most, one of the bravest things that you can do is be honest with people with how you're actually feeling like mm -hmm. that is brave. And like going on the timeline and being like, I'm really, really struggling today. And you know, I, I, I need this, or if anyone is in the, is, and if, if anyone has the space to, um, you know, hear me for a couple of like, you know, whatever mm -hmm. that is brave. Yeah, it's absolutely brave. And I think the problem comes when it's, um, it becomes the only, that the only coping mechanism, the only source of work on these issues comes oh, from totally. putting that on the timeline and getting it from other people. I think it's well, because, when it becomes the sole thing that's being done, it's a problem, but in small doses, absolutely. like it, engaging in a community that helps you feel safe and, and with people that support you, like there's nothing wrong with that. Or for knowing that, like, if like putting out a picture of yourself in a, in a space that uplifts you is going to make you feel good, of course. But if that's the only thing that makes you feel good. You have to be grounded outside yeah. of that. Yeah, exactly. Um, and like not sharing everything online is a boundary. Mm -hmm. It's a boundary that you have to make for yourself. Absolutely. Um, and, and I have a really hard time with that. Like, I remember the first time you said that it like seriously impacted me because I am certainly an oversharer, um, as you might be able to tell on this podcast. And I have to really take a step back and think inward before I share something and think, what is the reason I want to share this? Do I want to exactly. share it because I think it's a story that I have a handle on that I think people can relate to and I want to put that out there for the sake of relation or am I putting it out there because I can't deal with it on my own so I'm trying to expel it in some way. Exactly. And I and sometimes it really takes some time for me to sit with those things and decide which category it falls into. Um, and I think that there's a big accepted thing on all social medias where people almost use it as like this like trash can void where they can just like spit out any emotion and then it'll just go live there. And so like, I feel mo like a lot of things on the internet are people just reacting in the immediate without taking time to take a step back and actually like form formulate a response. And I think too, it's like the ability to sit with your thoughts, the ability to sit with, um, what you were thinking about posting and thinking, um, what purpose will this serve? That all displays emotional intelligence mm. because because ultimately then that 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 shows that you are using a social media platform in a way that is helpful to you, mm. not in a way that is that you are dependent on. Yes. Yeah, like social media fandoms communities can be a great place for asking for support for asking for extra love, like mm -hmm. for asking for distractions, all of that. But it has to be, you You have to engage with it in a way that you've created boundaries for yourself. Exactly. Otherwise it becomes untethered. It becomes chaos. And then it controls you rather than the other way around. Yes, that's a that's a massive point. And I think those boundaries have to include knowing when to remove yourself, even if it will mean quote unquote missing out. Because Absolutely. like, for example, we use a, a, a site called Curious Cat for our for most of our questions. That's where most of the questions that we get. It's mm -hmm. where this question was sent in on. Um, where you, can get, you too can send a question if you'd like. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, they, but you have the option to be anonymous on that site. And so we have that 
we have an account on there knowing exactly what we're getting into, knowing that there is a possibility that we're going to have people come in with the intention to harm into our inbox and be completely free to do so because they're um, under the guise of anonymity. 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 You know what I mean? I can't sound smart. Anonymity. Anonymity. You know what I mean? Under the, under like the mask of um, being unknown. Mm -hmm. And we had to like sit and think like, are we okay if this happens? Are we secure enough that we know that this isn't going to matter? This isn't going to impact our immediate mental health if these things aren't coming in. Um, and that's like a thing you have to make. And if we started to get an influx of that and it became too much to handle, it would be our responsibility to take a step back and remove ourselves from the situation. It doesn't mean that what the people are doing isn't fucking wrong and horrible, but it would be our responsibility to remove ourselves. And so, um, there's a lot of that on the timeline of people getting harassed and intense hate and i think that just goes back to the overall message is that no one else's healing is your responsibility so because i struggle with this a lot i struggle a lot with choosing picking and choosing my battles right where i feel like oftentimes I feel like, God, I just, I wish that this person didn't think this way. Or I just, why does this person think this way? Or why does this person think that this is okay? Mm. And that's really emotionally draining for me. Yeah. And so it's really necessary oftentimes for me to take a step back and say that to myself Mm -hmm. and say that people's missteps, stuff like that, people looking at something in a way that I feel is wrong or in a way that I feel is disrespectful, it's not my responsibility to make them come to some massive reckoning right. and, and completely change their way. That, that is not my responsibility. Mm-hmm. It's, again, just doing what you can in the capacity that you can, calling people in when you feel like, when you feel like it will serve the purpose of, 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 of doing so calling them in of, of hyping people up when you feel that it'll serve the purpose of, of hyping them up, reaching out to someone when you feel that it'll serve the purpose of reaching out to them and doing all of that in the space that you can. I think I want to say one, I want to read one more quote because it was really helpful by also by Dr. Nedra. Dr. Nedra posted, uh, I cannot, wait, hello? I accept the things I cannot change, but I do not have to tolerate the things and people that I accept. I can choose how I want to show up in my relationship with others. I can choose what I want to do. Acceptance does not mean continuing to tolerate dysfunction. Acceptance is not settling. I can see things and people for how they are and choose how I want to proceed. And so that's been a big mantra for me. Yeah, that's an important one. And that's been like a huge thing that I've been working on because it does become overwhelming and the desire to want to fix everyone um, while also simultaneously wanting to completely remove yourself, but then also simultaneously feeling guilty for wanting, for feeling that way is destructive Mm -hmm. for everybody involved. Nobody's benefiting. Exactly. So just remember you have to look at the situation Decide how much you can do and then go from there and decide accordingly. 
No, but I mean, that was a, that's a fair stopping point because I think that's an important thing to work on as you continue to prioritize yourself and your own self growth, self growth and healing journey. You have to um, learn what boundaries you need to set, not only with yourself, but with other people and with the, with, and with the spaces that you engage in. Especially in this space, like the, the, for, I would say for most people, at least speaking from my perspective, and I know from your perspective, like this space is like, this is like a, a space where we go to engage with, a, you know, with other people who all love pieces of media that we love. Mm-hmm. And like, that's it. And so with that, of course, comes responsibility because you're interacting with other people and their lives. But like, ultimately you need to choose how you want this community to serve you and what, mm-hmm. and, and what you want this, how that you want this space to serve you. Yeah. Um, and the most important aspect of that in order to protect this space for yourself is recognizing how much you can and can't do. Like mm-hmm. that is crucial. The protection of your own space is crucial to your enjoyment of this space that you've, that you've inserted yourself into. And so do what you can in the capacity that you can. <laughs> Our favorite quote. <laughs> Mantra of the year. Yeah, absolutely. And that was a great question. Yeah, that was a really great question because we truly talk about that a lot. Um, and In many different forms. In, in a lot of different forms. And I think that... Um, the biggest thing is that like if you're seeing something that's making you feel uncomfortable then it is making you uncomfortable it doesn't really matter the reason it is and so it's 100 percent valid because you're feeling that you're feeling the feeling like um so if you're seeing things that make you feel uncomfortable you can like have these different tools for yourself and you could be like well is this something that i feel like i need to remove myself from is this something that i want to engage in or feel like it would be helpful to do so is this something that i want to sit with and come back to and really try to think consciously as your um as as these feelings come up try to like take a moment and sit with them and identify either where they're coming from or what you can do to feel more settled with them and and that's ultimately too i think another important part is that like there's there's levels of of how to um act accordingly mm-hmm. right like if you're feeling like you want the space to be very curated for yourself and not um something where it negatively affects you in any way you know you don't have to but you see someone projecting self harm on the timeline you don't have to go you opening up your space for them to talk to you is not like the be all end all of how you engage with these, with these types of things, Mm -hmm. like offering them resources is, is, is an example Mm -hmm. provided like, do you know what I'm saying? Like you don't have to open up your space to be um, like consistently or even one available Mm -hmm. at this point. Like there are other ways to, address these things if it is something that you do feel like you want to address while keeping your space curated for totally. yourself and your well-being and like it ultimately just just does just go back to boundaries mm-hmm. so, it doesn't fucking everything and it's like social media exists solely to serve you 
That is the reason it exists. Like you have there, you're not stuck in high school. You don't have to be around these people. You're not like stuck in a job that you hate where you have to go every day around the same things and hear the same conversation. It's not fucking like that. It is a hundred percent a choice. And so fucking revel in that choice and only follow people that lift you up and make you happy and only interact with accounts that do the same. And, um, and remember that it's not your job to heal anybody. It's only your only job is to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that question. Um, yeah, thank you for that question because we've been like we've we talk about that often. Yeah. Um, and we didn't even think about talking about it on the podcast. So no. when we got that, it was truly such a like oh my god moment because we yeah I think we were just talking about it when this question came in. Yeah. So you were in our heads, listener. Hope that yes. was helpful. So thank you. Yeah. Should we take an ad break and then get to the episode? Let's do it. All righty. Should we get into the episode? Yeah, let's get into the episode. Okay. <laughs> We're liars. Liars. Um, I liars. just lied. <laughs> Have you ever seen that? No, what is that? We're already referencing. When she was do- when Jillian Anderson was doing the press package or whatever, and she was just going from one state like thing to the next. Yeah. It's horrible quality. But it was right after she had Piper. It was like six weeks after she had Piper. Oh yes, yes, I know, I know what video you're talking about, but I don't know the quote. Yeah, and the some news station goes at, must have asked her if she could say that you know she plays Dana Scully and it's on the X Files on Fox on Fr- mm-hmm. whatever it was Fridays at nine or whatever, and then she uh, had to say something along the lines of like, uh, you can catch it after news 40 or whatever my favorite show and she like didn't want to say it and then after she said it after they cut she's like that was a lie i just lied (laughs) that's so cute it's really cute anyways i want to keep that in because i want to be able to post that because that's really cute so we're lying because we're recording this part first the episode first so whatever you just heard we haven't done yet correct magic look at that so this is season two episode 14 i'm sure about that this time okay because i just looked at it um and it's called die hand die for <laughs> you really you really went for it i don't know how to say it <laughs> I, I don't either that was good it's a german word so oh god we probably have i think we have german listeners i'm so sorry I am mm. this Californian stereotype. I um, okay. I say it's ver. What what did verlet verlet something okay. like that? Okay. 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 Let's see who's right. Okay. Right. Verlet. Yeah. <laughs> like that. <laughs> I nailed it. Anyways. Okay. <laughs> So, so this is Kim Manners's Manners's. This is Kim Manners's first episode this is kim manners apostrophe <laughs> apostrophe his first episode directing and it, i can't remember their names it's okay they're not on the show anyway glenn glenn morgan and james wong yeah um it's their last episode until what season four mm-hmm. okay i think that's where the fellows behind never again so that's important to me why did they write this i honestly don't know i was thinking the exact same thing Yep. It's beautifully directed, so like Kim Manners. Maybe they genius, hated but... their parents, I guess. Maybe. This is just parent rage, this episode. 
it truly is. There's a lot of anger here. So we open on a parent-teacher committee that seems way more serious than you'd expect a parent-teacher committee meeting to be. Um, and they're talking- And also, before they even showed the faces, like when it said parent-teacher committee in Connecticut, like before they even showed the faces, you knew they were all going to be white. Oh, yeah. If there was not going to be a person of color. Again, is there a single person of color in this episode? I don't. I was paying attention to that after that scene, and I don't think that there was a single person of color in this entire episode. There's like not. There's so rarely. I know. Until a little later. Some, like, like, numbers. Yeah. But like the beginning well, seasons are really bad. Yeah. And like a person of color where they're not the villain, where they're not the. Um, or not that one actress. I can, I can think of, yeah. Plays the doctor. Yeah. I can think of um, a couple of black men who were the quote-unquote monsters or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. Anyways. Anyways. Um, so they're all fucking white, right? They're talking about how um, the drama program wants to put on Jesus Christ Superstar, and they think that that musical isn't appropriate for this high school, which I found really funny because I'm a mild musical nerd i won't talk about it we may talk about it oh it was also funny because like they literally said christianity is more explicit than greece and i love i'm i agree with that i I fuck with that yeah (laughs) and so um that's really all they talk about and then they adjourn until next week and they say (laughs) they should end with a prayer because they've been letting it slip as of late and they light a candle and close the door and we hear a demonic prayer and see bright lights like behind the door whatever whatever cut to the forest in the same town in new hampshire there's two teenage boys and teenage two teenage girls hiking out there the boys are trying to like scare the girls with like faux witchcraft so that they can get scared and they can comfort them and be heroes and like stupid male bullshit um and like try to try to like i don't know what they were trying to do probably not sleep with them in the forest but they were trying to like make out with them or something yeah the qu- they say they were trying to get some yeah yeah which like what does lo- that mean <laughs> i just love that we're showing the sexualization and manipulation of women but it's just like the underage edition they always do that with teenagers i know and then like the one kid talks about the one girl's mittens and like neither of them are wearing mittens is that code for something that I don't know? I don't know. Called tits mittens? I don't fucking know. <laughs> I'm gonna look it up. Keep going. I love your mittens. <laughs> Tittens. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, this whole innuendo, I don't understand it's, it. It's gross. <laughs> Is it innuendo? Is it not? Is, we don't know. They don't Who know. Who knows? <laughs> no one knows. I don't think anyone knows. <laughs> and that's a summary of the X-Files. So um, they open this like little, they like pull out this like folded up piece of paper that they brought and they start to read the same prayer as the prayer from the beginning, but it's clear that they don't actually practice this black magic. Um, and as one of the boys is, is reading, the candle blows out and they hear whispering and the girls get scared and the boys are like, hell yeah. And then <laughs> all of a sudden there's rats at their feet and <laughs> the mood is killed. They run out of there. Yeah. Fire. <laughs> there's, there's fire happening. There were some pretty uh, fun effects from the from the what, what department would that be? Pyro I don't know. Department? Special oh, effects. Yeah, special effects. <laughs> um, pyrology. <laughs> that guy was excited to come to work that day. He's like, We're gonna blow some shit up. They're like, no, just yeah. like a brief flame. He's like, damn it. 
just like have a flame like come out from the ground he's like are you sure that's that's he's like i could like that's, all you, thing that's all you want he's like why don't we just set make the entire forest just burst into flames <laughs> so one of the boys gets crap craft i'm sorry what one of the boys gets grabbed and boom hmm. cut to scully looking at his dead body which like that transition was sweet yeah but because like they do it so the kid dies and then like it like transitions really it was a cool effect it was a very cool effect go kim manners um but i also like seeing her face that suddenly is really harmful to no warning yeah blood pressure kim manners was not making this with you in mind he was not considering your blood pressure yeah seriously although kim manners does get her angles i have to say he does he really does she says that the boy hasn't been dead for more than 12 hours and the sheriff says that this is an area used for like witches ceremonies um i wrote scully looks beautiful so like do you want a moment here please yeah so okay i'm really like i enjoy this um progression of her floof also just like the general progression of scully getting hotter like truly with it by the minute yeah like between each episode something's happening something's happening (laughs) like something is happening between each episode and she's just getting hotter and it's like visible in each episode it's actually kind of eerie like what why i don't know motherhood (laughs) i don't know what i've noticed is that her floof just becomes more structured Mm -hmm. and i really enjoy that progression and so again the whole beginning is the angle of her is like from kind of below mm-hmm. a little bit and um it's sublime and i will tell you why okay tell me her hair frames her face perfectly mm-hmm. like the way it naturally curls because again they're outside in the forest and so jillian's hair is just like a little that's my favorite thing ever i love when her hair gets frizzy yeah it's got a little zhuzh to it uh her nose looks extra strong and then from this angle, you can really see the way her upper lip like curls into her mouth at the corners and it's like on full display <laughs> and her lips just look so pouty. And then the structure of her face, like her cheekbones and her chin and her jaw. Beautiful. I'm done. That's it. Well done. Yep. Um, so the sheriff talks about how everybody uh, knows about quote unquote, these things that go on in this town. And he says, um, well, this kid and his friends listen to devil music, so he becomes a very funny stereotype. Joni, Joni Mitchell. Oh, yeah. Devil's music. <laughs> Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah. <laughs> Bob Dylan. <laughs> Tracy um, Chapman. We all know the Bee Gees is the biggest. <laughs> yeah. Music. Also, also the Beatles. Oh, yeah. Big time. Also, the band who sings um, Bread and Butter. Emily sings bread and butter really funny, <laughs> but she's not going to do it for you guys. But um, trust me on this. It's, it's the best. It's embarrassing. Look up the song and then just like imagine. <laughs> so Mulder asks if the kids were even seen participating in witchcraft and the sheriff says no. The sheriff assumes that Jerry Stevens, the dead boy, was out there alone, but Scully is like, y'all are fucking stupid um she's like most people don't go to the forest to drink two six packs by themselves and she also found the the prayer clearly torn out of a library book and she's like i'm surprised you guys overlooked all of this the sheriff apologizes to scully and inject that shit into my veins yeah 
That's what she deserves. She deserves all men in authority to apologize to her. And I did also notice that this episode gave her, like, I make a note of it later on, but she's, like, very much so heading this case. Oh, yeah. She like, does- people are addressing her more than they, more often than they do. The work is, like, very much evenly split. Her and Mulder definitely get to do an equal amount of hands-on work. Like, it was very enjoyable to watch. Mulder was like, yeah, that sheriff's an idiot, but the way the body was displayed is definitely in some sort of ceremonial way. So, like, there might be some credence to these, like, rumors. And Scully is like, no, he incited your imagination. And then she begins to explain why there's nothing odd about the area. And as she's explaining that, literal toads fall from the sky onto their umbrellas. When Mulder says, like, tells Scully that she better hide her Megadeth albums as, like, a joke. Does he say that? The sh- yeah, when the sheriff mentions... um the devil music as if scully doesn't like rage out to her old punk music every single drive home from work like like, who's fucking got who's got egg on their face molder i I love that jordan klepper clip where he's like he's like so who has egg on their face she's like exactly and he's like no who has egg on their face (laughs) god i want to marry him he's like that exactly like you said, all the good ones are. Who else do I love who's married? Hugh Jackman. I'm in love mm-hmm. with Hugh Jackman. I know. I've been in love with him since I was 15. That's very valid. For my life. Him in Oklahoma, singing his little heart out in that flat, in that plaid. Oh. Ooh, yeah, I've never seen that, but I don't feel it for him. I don't know. I saw that in my drama class in high school, and <laughs> I were, was feeling feelings <laughs> as he sang, oh, what a beautiful mom. <laughs> I was like, you were you were feeling weird, weird. <laughs> you, you were feeling weird <laughs> weird okay wow also wow. <laughs> when when Walter says um when the when the frogs or the toads fall and he says he says guess their parachutes didn't open I want to believe that in Scully's mind she was like fuck I need to marry this idiot like when people date each other, they think like like when a heterosexual woman dates men, mm-hmm. she's like, or ugh, fuck. When people when people date each other, mm-hmm. okay, they think, I want this dick to be mine. Like no one else can experience this. Mm-hmm. But like Scully thinks that, but like that's even superseded by her thinking like no one else can hear his bad jokes. Like those are just for me. She would like, no one else so hurt hear if them. she heard him tell a bad joke to somebody else. Devastated, like absolutely devastated, as she should be. Yeah. Cut to the high school library. Scully comes in with like a sciencey explanation for why the toads could have fallen from the sky, which I think is so funny. She's like, "Don't worry, so I figured adorable. it out." She's like, "Don't worry, I figured it out." She's like, "I think that they were picked up in like wind currents, like what we call in the science business a hurricane mm-hmm. or a tornado." whatever you want to she's know. like that's why they fell there's nothing wind. yeah i think basically they grew wings and by wings i mean wind and they were transported over here i know you didn't feel nothing the breeze but like sometimes it happens where like air is like blowing above you that you can't feel like below like it's like definitely um a science thing that you wouldn't know about like cumulonimbus etc you know etc condensation like Auro- aurora borealis <laughs> She's like the waxing and waning wind currents blowing weast towards the 
And Mulder's like, okay, sounds right. He's like, he sure. Sounds about right. Okay, so they find out who checked out the book. That's why they went to the library. Cut to the science class. The kids are clearly, the kids who are in the forest are clearly like antsy and struggling because they just like, you know, their friend just died. Um, that's going to cause some trauma. Mulder and Scully mm-hmm. come in. Imagine Mulder and Scully coming into your classroom. So Mulder and Scully come in and the substitute teacher who um, introduced herself at the beginning of the scene, um, they tell her that they're there to see Andy Duran, who's the other kid from the forest. First of all, the teacher looks like a knockoff Miss Honey from (laughs) Matilda. Like, tell me I'm wrong. No, you're not. Um, She's she's like the we have food at home Miss Honey. She's like Miss Honey's reject sister. Yeah. And like, we can say that because she's evil. Yeah, she's But like... And then I and then I got thinking. Um, do you think that Scully is like a we have food at home mother? Like we already know that mold. We already know the answer for Mulder. And I actually have a fun little anecdote if you'd like to hear it while you're thinking. Yeah, hit me with it. So my uncle and my like eight eight year old cousin, they do this thing. I actually don't know what it's called, but they have a name for it. Where basically they'll get lunch. Mm-hmm. They live in New York City, so it's like you know the capital of food people right. are gonna cringe at that anyways there's a lot of food options it's like the land of takeout right yes exactly so they'll go and they'll get like they'll go and they'll get food and then they'll say some. i can't i don't know what it's called but basically it's their little it's a little tradition that they have where they'll get one huge meal takeout like suit like splurge on a really indulgent meal mm-hmm. like they'll get like a full full chinese meal and then they'll be like, do you want to do this? And then they'll go and get like full um, Italian. And they do this thing like every once in a while where they do, it's like double fisting food. I don't even That's understand so it. That's so cute. They go like back to back and get like two really super indulgent meals That's together. That's so precious. And I just imagine Mulder doing that with his child. Oh. Just being like, yeah, do you want to, do you want to like gun it? Yeah, let's do it. And then they just go and get like two huge meals together. That's so that, cute. I feel like Scully's the we have food at home mom. She definitely is a we have food at home mom. Um, but every once in a while, like when they can get her to like go out and like go all out, it's like so exciting. That's so fucking cute. Okay, so um, Mulder and Scully talk to the – they come to see that kid, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and before they can even finish their sentence, Andy, like, bolts and tries to climb out the window, <laughs> which, like, good bold move. Like, I mean, honestly, if I saw her walk into my, my classroom out the window, I tried to jump out the window. <laughs> so, like, Mulder just, like, quickly grabs his ankles. Like, it's not hard to get him back in. Yeah. He doesn't get also, very far. I don't, I don't see that window opening enough for him to squeeze out of it either. Definitely not. So they interview him, and in his interview, they say that, um, or he says that he's not into witchy stuff. Jerry was his best friend, and they only went to the altar to quote unquote get some. And then the girl's like, "I told you." And the other girl's like, "Which is oh. like so stupid, so dumb." It's so stupid because like this little scene is proof that communication solves everything, right? Yeah, like chivalry belongs in the trash. You're right. They took the book, they took the, the witchcraft book because they didn't know anything about it and they wanted it to sound good, <laughs> which I, which is kind of endearing. <laughs> it's a little cute, yeah. So Mulder is like, well, if you didn't kill Jerry Stevens, then why did you run? And Andy's like, bro, I'm scared. We, I think we conjured up some devil or something. I think you're so funny. I love you so much. Oh, yeah. 
outside the interview room is the group of adults. I call them the PTC people because like it takes me like we never really get all of their names mm-hmm. um, that were doing the spell in the beginning. One guy who seems like their head dude, his name is Jim, says, um, one of you killed Jerry Stevens, who? And um, he's sure it was one of them because he was displayed in a ritualistic way that only they know about. But it turns out it really wasn't any of them. And they're like, no, something's here. Like, there's a presence among us. So they're like on edge. Mulder and Scully let the kids out. And, the, and Jim says, you're letting them go? And Mulder responds like a teenager talking to his dad. He's like, there's no evidence to warrant an arrest. He's, like, so, like, fit-throwy about it. Yeah. Um, and the adults, the PTC people say that the kids are under occult influence from the television and music and blah, 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 and that's all to blame. And then Smart Scully comes back and is, like, she really hates that. Like, it, like something about her, like, that's, like, her biggest pet peeve. Um, and she's, like, yeah, well, the FBI has conducted a seven-year study, and they found little to no evidence of occult conspiracies. That was so sexy. Oh, my God. She really hates a cult slash cult phenomenon. Like, that's very consistent throughout the show. She hates totally. it. Totally. And, and, like, you know the song, I'm in love with a stripper? Mm. I'm in love with a stripper. She cries. No. No? Mm. Anyways, it's not actually called that. It's called I'm in love with a badass. And her name is Dana Scully. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Um, and then she says something really sarcastic and they like, they're like, so you finally get what we mean. And she's like, her head is like two seconds away from exploding. And so he just like, Mulder like pulls her out because she's getting heated, which I love like that whole dynamic. That whole dynamic was great. Also, he like touches way too close to her boob. Like just grab it next time. Goddamn. (laughs) David does that a lot, doesn't he? He's like, a little bit. Oops. Oops. (laughs) especially i'm thinking of one specific scene in the revival i know where he like rubs it and she's like rubs her fucking nipple yeah she's like a little bit my breast he's like not on purpose all right as she's crying and scene. it was just really funny because he thought like he knew he was doing it but he was like no like maybe they can still use this so yeah. they just he just kept going like, you could see it on his face as he does it he's like oh fuck he's like gonna- <laughs> he's like i'm just gonna commit like maybe they won't notice <laughs> Like, he didn't want to admit um, it and stop the take or, like, pull away. So funny. As if she wouldn't notice. <laughs> it's really funny, the scene where he pulls her away, because Mulder's like, she'll fight you. Like, don't think she won't. He's like, she has a gun. Don't piss her off. She will fight you. So, okay? like, go into the hall, um, and there's a there's a blooper of the scene of David getting squirted yeah. in the face. <laughs> by, the, yeah. by the fountain. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Mulder notices that um, <laughs> the water, we'll include it. We'll include the squirt blooper. Yeah, that one, yeah, the squirting blooper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, Perfect. So Mulder notices that the water is going down the drain counterclockwise, which because of the Coriolis force in the Northern Hemisphere, water always goes down clockwise. And I only wrote and said that because I wanted to feel smart like Scully for a minute, and I did. You're amazing. <laughs> Um, I rewound it like four times to make sure I got it all down right. I love that. Um, That's so amazing. So cut to uh, knock off Miss Honey pulling the girls who were in the forest aside after class. She like, offers her support if they need anything. And she goes to put their papers in her desk. And there's a human heart and eyeballs. Like and She puts the papers on top of it. I know, which it. grossed me out. It's like, okay, Mary Shelley, goddamn. 
Did you know? Like, what are you going to, how are you going to give them back? Did, I don't. Did you know that Mary Shelley kept a piece of her husband's heart in a silken shroud after he died that she carried around Good. with her most places? Oh. She's the original goth queen. She also made her sexual debut on her mother's grave. I love her. Hmm. Anyways. Mary Shelley is an icon. So cut to Mulder talking to one of the adults from the PTC, and um, he's talking about how there's a high amount of students complaining of depression and headaches and, like, having eating disorders and all of those horrible things. Um, and Mulder brings up that those are the beginning indications of repressed memories. So you agree. Re- repressed memories are a real thing, Mulder. <laughs> Wasn't sure after the last few episodes. Yeah, could we, I, think, I think we need to make that meme. I think so, too. So, so you agree. So you, agree. <laughs> you think repressed memories are a thing. Um, so he's questioning whether or not there was um, ever any evidence of, of past ritual abuse for, uh, that the teenagers experienced when they were young. Um, and Mulder wants to speak to some of the students about that. And the dude is like, absolutely not. <laughs> so that's the end of that. So he goes out to where Scully is um, looking beautiful and working on the computer. Would you like to... Yes, please. You're really spot on in this episode. Thank you. She is so beautiful. And I think at this moment, I might just stop like writing down descriptions of how I'm feeling and just attach a picture to this part in my notes. And then just like off the cuff. Mm, just That'd be fun. I think that'd be fun. Anyways, in this moment, I'm still feeling the same way because I can picture it so clearly. But like, she is so beautiful. And her shoulder pads, her shoulder pads just really get me in this scene. And then she has the most beautiful plum, like, lip again going on. Would love to kiss. I said once that this scene, the outfit that she's wearing, that I wanted to, like, kiss her little shoulder while we were arm in arm. Like, you know, in, like, sex education when Maeve and Amy do it. That's what I want to do. And the sentiment still stands. And then she puts her hand on her face and like I saw her nails and I fucking lost it. So I won't say it. It trans. Next question. (laughs) I'm proud of you for still being with us here today. Yes. Scully found a local paper um, report about Jerry Stevens talking about how concerned they are that it's like the work of a dark force. And apparently she's so fucking smart. It's the same article as a Nazi, as one from a Nazi paper in 1934, just with like different details and names filled in. That's what I'm saying. Like, it really feels like later on, I would say it becomes more balanced. But at this point, like, it feels so much like Scully is like doing the majority of the work, but in a way that she gets credit for. Yeah. Like, she's really like, like doing a lot of really important research and observations. Yeah, and she's, like, allowed to be smart. She's allowed to be as smart as she is. Which I really feel like when she doesn't disagree that Mrs. Paddock is weird because normally they just make her ignorant to the obvious, but she, like, actually is like, no, there's definitely a lot of oddities here, which I appreciate because Mm -hmm. she's smart. Um, Okay, so Mulder then goes to talk about modern witches and Wicca, and this whole, like, little monologue makes me really happy because he talks about how they have a great reverence for life and nature, and they don't cast harmful spells, and they don't worship Satan, and that's true. I thought about you when that was happening. I always get really irritated when Wicca is depicted as satanic worship because that would be Satanism. Like, it's just not the same thing, and it always bugs me. And, like, that's why I love practical magic so much is because it's, like, 
it's a very lighthearted story, but they do a lot of really realistic things with the ways that they use the herbs and that she like manufactures like bath oils and like lotions and things. And like that's, and then she like, that's way more accurate to actually how, um, anyways. That's very valid. I grew up a weird way. If you can tell. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. A little bit. It's okay. No. So Scully then is like, um, well, if it's well, not, if witches, not witches, then what? <laughs> so cute i wrote that down because it was so adorable so then cut to that um insane substitute passing out pig embryos to dissect um one girl's really having a hard time she starts screaming and crying and then this and the sub just like watches as she like has a full-on breakdown so the girl which is like pretty accurate to how teachers <laughs> react yeah teachers react to ch- children uh in, a, in, in emotional distress yeah. Um, so this girl's name is Shannon, and the PTC adults try to reach her father, but she does not want to talk to him. So she runs away and talks to Mulder and Scully instead. She basically gives a monologue. Here we go. Yeah. She basically gives a monologue about these horrendous things that she's remembering. There are things about her being raped and having a baby, and that baby getting killed, and her younger sister being murdered, etc. And it's all so graphic. And the poor actress who does a phenomenal job is like weeping through it all. And spoiler alert, it all turns out to not even be true. They're implanted memories. So So, I think that in the same way you shouldn't show rapes graphically, you also shouldn't describe them graphically because it's really hard to broach trauma in performing the correct way. And by doing what they're doing here, you're traumatizing your actors and you're traumatizing your audiences. And, like, I could Absolutely. not be more serious about how crucial that is. I, no, I agree like, 100%. I really think the only good thing to come out of the scene is Jillian listening really intently and hugging her. I agree. And especially because um, what you said is absolutely accurate. And I think even beyond that, it's, like, the fact that that, that it ends up being not true is even more of a disservice to exactly. that level of trauma. That makes it feel completely um, gratuitous. Absolutely. And then it's just, it's just another example of whether, whether it's true or not, right? It's like, it's another example of, because what she was saying, aside from the satanic roots and, and environment surrounding it, Mm -hmm. what she was describing could have very well happened void of any, um, I don't, I don't know what you would call it. Ritualistic abuse? Paranormal. Yeah, like ritualistic aspect. Yeah. Or, or, or what makes the episode an X-File. Exactly. Like void of all of that, this is a very realistic and very valid and very um, traumatizing experience. And it could and, have and been a repressed memory that was brought up by absolutely. her having to pig embryos. Like that is... Absolutely. Yeah. So that and so it just goes back to like the show. So so starting at that point, it's like it just goes back to the show being a little too comfortable using women as vessels mm-hmm. and reproductive trauma being the linchpin of the show and the concept of babies being born to be killed. And this is not the not the last time that we see that. Yep. Not, not even come to fruition because, of course, this one doesn't, but just implanted yeah. into the audience's memory. Exactly. Um, and it's like when they want to hit low, they go for reproductive trauma. 
absolutely like oh we want this to really be sad like we really want to make them feel horrible for this girl yeah we're gonna have her have three kids that get murdered and then someone also on tumblr made a really intriguing post that i have been thinking about since i saw it (laughs) because i've been like it's just it's just stuck with me and someone they said um in the show all the girl children are dead symbolic as sacrifice and all the boy children are alive and special symbolic as the future oh my god and like that has not left my brain (laughs) Wow. Since I saw it and we'll I'll po- we can post a screenshot of it. Yeah, please. That's really interesting. Um but it's true. And what this later down the line it becomes even more true. Of course, Samantha being the first right victim of this. Um then we see Melissa. Mm-hmm. And then we see Emily. Um Scully's eventual daughter from her stolen ova Mm -hmm. um and then this shannon in this episode and her sister who she says was killed and again it doesn't end up being true that she was killed which almost i think makes it worse which makes it worse exactly and then of course the boys being Mulder and william are being the two most prominent ones yep that's a really great point. Well, and Scully's brother right? never has anything horrible happen to him. Exactly. But Scully's sister exactly. and mother die. Yep. I could write an entire novel on um, how horrible this narrative treated the Scully women. And honestly, um, I fucking might. <laughs> honestly, you should. <laughs> yeah, that's that scene. But like, kudos to that actress for getting through it. And that actress has interacted with people on Twitter, like in the fandom before, and said, um, um, and said that like Jillian was so like sweet with her during that day, and it was like such a like they made it that really easy. It's so incredible. I just loved how this girl is so vulnerable in front of Scully in this way because we just saw Scully experience a similar thing. Oh my god! In the last episode. In the last episode, yeah. and so. Because Shannon's trauma obviously is largely unknown, like in to her even, and like it's being brought back. Mm-hmm. Um, it's less clear, but it's the bringing back of the memories nonetheless. Like, and yet, without any metatextual evidence to suggest that Scully was particularly struck by this, which like I would have, I wish that they had written in more. Yeah. Like, I wish that there would have just been more focus on like how scully was specifically reacting to this girl Mm -hmm. um i guess more so than the rush to have scully comfort her because she was also a woman i love that part but i wish that there had been more of a focus also on how scully would have personally reacted to the to this girl saying this because i just think like that would have given her the justice that she i I agree fully in this scene so Mulder and Scully go to talk to Shannon's parents. Um, the stepfather is the head guy of the PTC gym. Um, and he's just like bewildered and upset. And he's like, someone or something must have put these things into her mind. Whatever. 
Um, Shannon's mother is crying. So Scully's like, hey, bro, go get your wife a glass of water. <laughs> and um, Scully is basically like, hey, girl, your daughter hasn't accused you of any of these things. And um, Mrs. Osbury basically says, well, Jim and I have been having marriage problems. Like maybe we haven't been paying en- enough attention to her. Like as if that is the fuck, whatever. Well, it's just so it's, it's problematic in, in a couple of different ways. Because what Shannon, um, what Shannon uh, talked about was um, that she had been raped, mm-hmm. and so it's like, yes, like children absolutely act out when their parents don't pay enough attention to them. Children absolutely are are impacted by their parents' relationships with relationship with each other. Right. How that then impacts their children, absolutely. But it's like, yeah, you haven't been paying enough attention to your daughter. So instead of going out and getting her nose pierced or dyeing her hair or doing something harmful to herself, she ma- she's making up these stories about being raped. Yeah. And so the fact that story that Shannon told, that, that past trauma that Shannon told ends up being false just makes this part more problematic yeah. because it's like it serves to suggest that women lie about rape and i think that that's what i don't like about it oh exactly and it's like i know that like they don't put her like they don't position her as being like she is lying about rape to get attention absolutely not memory so they're very real to her because the sub like put those memories in her mind um and so she is experiencing them but it definitely does it's just like yeah you were right to question it because it does turn out not to be true Right, exactly. Um, complete side note, uh, the actress who plays the mom was in Genderbender. Do you recognize her? Oh my God, she was. She was a psychopath lady. Yeah. So Shannon's mom basically says that there's no way Shannon has ever been pregnant. And then we find out that she did have another daughter, but she didn't die at the age of eight. Like Shannon said, she died at eight weeks from crib death, not from sacrifice. So cut to Jim overfilling a water glass. Mulder asks if he did it. And very vaguely, um, could be many things. Um, and he just shatters the glass in his hands, question mark? In his bare hands, yeah. Yeah. So then he pulls the typical man reaction to female trauma and says, I would kill anyone who did these things to her. Um, like, okay, this is not about you. All right. But that's cool. So Mulder then is like, um, that's not very Christian of you, sir. And then Jim quotes the Bible and Mulder's like, um, even the devil can quote scripture to fit his needs. And it's like, oh my God, someone's been listening to Scully. Yep. I bet he told her about that in the car. He was like, he tried to quote the Bible to me, but I like threw this back in his face. Like, because like, you know, and then, nope. So then after, um, so after Mulder says that the basement door that he was like peeking into slams shut and Jim kicks them out, even though they're the FBI question mark. It's a very white thing to be able to do. A little bit. Yeah. So cut to Shannon in the demon sub. Um, Shannon is going to dissect the pig again, and she gives the sub her jewelry so it doesn't get lost in the pig guts. But the sub clearly needed it for her, like, ritual. Then they cut to the sub doing some kind of ritual in the office. She's making some nasty noises and looks very terrifying. I hate, I hate those, that, those sequences more than ever. <laughs> no, stop. I hate it. I hate it. Um, she's essentially making Shannon kill herself in a really graphic way. Like this episode yeah. really just said fuck palatability. Absolutely. Like in every way, shape or form. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so Shannon dies. 
So we see Scully interviewing the sub who's saying that she didn't see anyone come in and just heard the crash and came running out. Um, Mulder finds Shannon's bracelet on the sub's desk. Okay, so then now cut. They do like a lot of jumping around. So the PTC yeah. meets outside, like like outside, outside, like in the forest. It was like they're like in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> and they're talking about how Shannon's death serves as a sacrifice and they can use that to get rid of the FBI and clean everything up. But Jim's like not about this because it's his daughter. Um, and they want to say and yet, that. And yet he didn't say anything. No. They want to say that she had a thing for Jerry Stevens and killed him out of jealousy as a cover or whatever. And they go way into detail about this, like yeah. fake story, like in a really disgusting way. Um, and they come to the consensus that once they've gotten rid of the FBI, they have to rekindle their faith um, because that's like this is punishment for not being true to that or whatever. Well, this whole scene also just feels wrong in the sense that like Shannon was forced to very viscerally serve her trauma up on a platter to Mulder and Scully. Yeah. Only to be killed. And then nearly and then blamed. To be used as a pawn. Yeah. Like to, to clear everything up. It just feels it's so gross. Wrong. Demon yeah. Sub is crying to Scully about like how she can't believe that kids can do these things. It's not about you, but that's fine. Um and she tells Mulder that Shannon asked her to hold the bracelet for her. Like, explain right. that that's why she had it in there. And Mulder and Scully walk away, and he's like, her office has a faint odor of incense. And Scully's like, well, the sub says that she uses it to block the smell of formaldehyde. And Mulder's like, but babe, incense are also used for black mass rituals. And she's like, um, alien boy, Melissa also used to use them to cover up the weed smell in her room every Friday night. I'm aware of the dualities of incense. Um, yep. Just kidding. She's actually That's like, truth. she's actually like, yeah, I'm kind of with you. That bitch is weird. <laughs> so she says that um, the man that Mrs. Paddock, that's the sub's name, replaced, um, had only taken two sick days in his whole career. And the morning of Jerry Stevens's murder, he developed necrotizing fasciitis, which is a fucking flesh eating bacteria. And then Ew. nobody can even remember hiring her. Um then like thunder crashes and we see the sub like glaring at our hot babies um and scully gets scared and like breathes the shaking breath into Mulder. and then Mulder was like this was all a plan this was all a plan to get laid right now because scully would start quivering in fear and then and then fall I, into and him then and then I, he'd get some and then <laughs> and then he gets some he's like this was all a plan babe <laughs> this is all part of the plan so then <laughs> one big meta episode <laughs> Then Scully restabilizes herself, is I think what I meant, and starts to try okay. to explain the oddities in a very logical way. And Scully immediately explaining away her feelings the second she feels them makes me feel like I'm watching myself in therapy. <laughs> Absolutely. That's so funny. So Mulder is like, okay, check deeper into Mrs. Paddock. I'm going to go snoop around the Osbury's house. And then the power goes out, so the rest of this episode is extra spoopy. So Mulder goes to Jim's house, and he goes into the basement. I'm horrified of basements. We don't have them in California, and they just seem terrifying. Anyways, it looks like there's um, stakes on the wall. I don't think that's what it's supposed to be, but it looks like that. And it's like it's either blood or red paint. Like, I don't really know. Oh, wow. I didn't even notice that. Um, and then he turns around, and Jim's just, like, standing there. <laughs> and during all of this, Scully's working on her computer through the storm. Like, they, like, cut back and forth. Um, I would also just like to call attention to Scully in the harsh light of her digitalized computer screen. Again, the angle, the angle of that, of the light coming up on her face from underneath like that. Yeah. Kim Manners really gets her angles. Her lips 
Wow. <laughs> I feel weird right now. <laughs> um, so Mulder and Jim talk, and like Jim explains that his religion has spanned generations in this town and blah, blah, blah. He talks about persecution and like, I don't give a fuck because he's white. I was going to say like, another episode of white people want to be oppressed so bad. So bad. <laughs> Jim basically says that he's gone against his faith and these people because he was so sick that they would vilify an innocent, his daughter. And I just wonder if it would matter to him if it wasn't his daughter, but that's neither here nor there. Makes, makes you wonder. Makes you wonder. Um, so he's blaming himself for her death and he like wants to tell it all to Mulder. He's like really willing to fucking confess. Um, cut to Mrs. Paddock having another spellgasm as she's like actively creating fake records while Scully looks into them. So Scully thinks that she's clean because she's, like, putting in those records. So Mulder asks um, if Jim ever abused Shannon, and he goes, never sexually, which is unsettling. A little bit. Um, They said that they use the young in their rituals, but they'd skip over, um, like, the ones that they didn't really want to do. So she she got the memories from some sort of post-hypnotic suggestion, I guess. Mrs. Paddock calls Mulder pretending to be Scully in peril. And of course he freaks out and like goes to run to her. So he handcuffs Jim and leaves him in the basement because he's so worried about his wife. He says, I'll come back for you later. Oh God. Would you like me to rehash the, um, Oh God. The, uh, thing that I told you, I couldn't wait to tell Stevie this. So I <laughs> yeah, do it. spilled the beans before we recorded, but now I'll say it again. Yeah, do it. Yeah, do it. Yeah, do it. Okay. Hear me out. Right. Out. So that scene Mulder handcuffs this dude to the stairwell. Stairway? Stairwell. Yeah. And he says, I'll be back for you later. Okay. Do yourself a favor. Go listen to him say that. Right now. And then come back to us. And then come back and imagine um, Mulder handcuffing Scully to their bed frame and him saying, I'll be back for you later. I had a long breakdown about that. Well, because I got more graphic with you. But... You did. But we'll let the people use their imaginations. You, the world is your oyster. <laughs> so then a snake slithers in. A sneaky, slithery snake. A snake, a snake. <laughs> slithers into the basement and eats him. So Mulder runs in um, to Scully, so concerned about her, with his gun pulled. He's like, are you hurt? Or I don't know what he says, but that's probably what, that's usually what he says. Yeah. Um, and she's like, what? No, I didn't even touch the phone. And then Mrs. Maddock is doing... Isn't her name Paddock? Yes. <laughs> Mrs. Paddock is essentially doing all of this. She because we get a lot of close-ups of her sweating and convulsing and like her eyes look like a snake. Um, so like we know that she's like literally doing all of this. Um, they go back to Jim's house and he's literally just an eroded skeleton. And Mulder's like, Ooh, look, snake tracks. And, and she's like, No, it would take a python hours to consume a human being and weeks to digest. And Mulder's like, You really do watch the learning channel. And I just like that interaction. I love her brain. And then, um, and then she, Scully squats down. That's what's and I just, important in the scene. That was the, I honestly don't remember even, I don't even remember anything that they said. So then they find snake skin and Scully says, um, there's a snake in Paddock's room. So they like run back. The show is a lot of, this episode is a lot of back and forth. So the PTC yeah. people meet and they're like, we have to make a sacrifice or we'll die like Jim did. And they, they decide it has to be Mulder and Scully to protect themselves. So Mulder and Scully find Mrs. Paddock pretending to be attacked, like lying on the floor, saying that the other three adults came in and took the snake and they did it all, basically. And like, and then they coddle her and it's like, yeah, fuck Miss Paddock. But like, damn, 
she knows how to act. She does. She know she knows how to commit. <laughs> she really does. Like Scully's like, it's okay. Just like try to be still. She goes, I'll be yeah. back. Stay here. Like they get her a fucking blanket. Like they really- we think we think we commit to a bit. <laughs> Check out this bitch. <laughs> um so Mulder and Scully searched the rooms for the PTC people and like it was at this point that I was like wow all of these shots are like stunning with all of the light and the use mm-hmm. of angles like go commanders really showing off yeah so Scully and Mulder get ambushed by um these PTC people and get their fucking asses kicked like they get their yeah. asses handed to them and then they get tied up and dragged into the gym and they turn on the water of the showers and like make them lay in the middle of it which is like just so gross thing about laying on that floor but anyway in a high school a high school gym shower um and it's and they're like they put the water on them to make the blood easier to clean up and it's looking like there's truly no way they're gonna get out of this and they kind of have just yeah. accepted it like they're just laying there they're not trying to get free. i know they're just like well here we are um and then we see mrs paddock convulsing again and <laughs> she has a uh, big stamina um and we hear two gunshots but it turns out that the one of the ptc guys shot the other two teachers and then right before he shoots himself um molder like rolls on top of scully to shield her okay which is really which, like he like has his fair. leg up and over her and like i wonder if he koalas her like that when they sleep too i definitely think that molder likes to be the big spoon sometimes but um i couldn't help but think that this was like his knee literally projects itself right into where Jillian had just been cut open. Oh yeah. Um I didn't even think about that. Oh my God, David. For her cesarean section, I know. And it's really, really cute, but like when you look at Jillian's face she and the way she it contorts yeah, in pain. It's hard to watch. She looks in pain as she's rolling around this whole time on the floor. Um a little bit. Can't tell yeah. if she's just a good actor if it's actually real lol which will make a good actor yeah <laughs> um but what if it's real right so anyways paddock killed them all like made them kill themselves so Mulder and scully are just kind of like laying there gyrating against each other as they try to undo each other's ties and they're like moaning in the steam um which is a lot i have, I have one thing to say yeah. and this is the last thing we'll say i promise <laughs> but scully says oh god yeah she does just Listen, I love all of you, and I'm giving you this gift. Go watch, go listen to this to this moment. It's right towards the end. Scully says, "Oh God," and her neck is arched and exposed, and then she like looks down her body briefly. It's a moment. It's just a beautiful moment, and I'm sharing that with all of you, if you want it. If you want it. And if you really appreciate that, we have a listener support link for things for moments like this. There you go. <laughs> um, but it's kind of like the moment in Firewalker to where like if you just played that out loud, what were what are you Absolutely. watching? Absolutely. I right. I mean, listen, I'll I'll turn myself in. I rewound that part so many times. <laughs> I'll turn myself in so many times. No, it's mm. it's really erotic. Um, but then it's really it's really just the way that her like she like puts her head on the ground and like arches her like yeah because they're like fumbling like, behind their backs because they're trying to untie each other's hand things. 
And um, so she like, she like arches, she like pushes on the back of her head to like try to get her arms out from underneath her, which results in her neck arching and her back. It reminds me of that scene in the red, the black, whatever, where she literally has an orgasm on camera. Oh yeah. But her when neck. When Scully's hypnotized? Her neck specifically. Another free gift right there. Served up on a platter. Okay, so Scully, but she's really freaked out by the man's expression right before he killed himself because um, it looked like somebody was controlling him. Um, And Mulder's like, it's Paddock, we have to go. And so our wet agents finally get free and go to find her and she's gone. And all that's there is a note on the chalkboard saying, goodbye, it's been nice working with you. And then the lights turn back on and that's the whole episode. Did you know that the note that was left on the chalkboard was actually also for James Wong and oh my uh, God. Glenn Morgan? Because they were moving on from the show. Yeah, is that cute? That is really cute, but then they come back, so. I know. What I've realized from this episode is that if you start to analyze the plot sometimes too much, all the remaining joy from the show disintegrates with it. So you got to focus um, on the funny breath things and the totally and like ignorance is bliss, such as life. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's all. Ignorance is bliss, such as life. Um... Ignorance is bliss for for this. I wouldn't say that that transcends watching the X Files necessarily, but for watching the X Files, for watching the X Files, and like if you just like. If you just want to hop on there to see them moaning on the ground in a steamy room, like that's okay. That's Absolutely. okay. You're not alone. You are okay. So do you want to do Jillian's corner? Let's do Jillian's corner. Okay, I want to sing. <laughs> um, okay, let's sing. It always freaks me out when we say um at exactly the same time. We're connected in that way. Jillian's corner. Okay, so I have a quote. I don't even know what it's from. I just saw it on Twitter. Beautiful. It's very peculiar. Jillian Anderson may or may not have admitted to bestiality. What? Okay, let's just, I'll just read it, okay? (laughs) So it's like a fun little, like, I think it was like, get to know her pieces. Okay. Because it says one. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. The first thing is she loves animals. Okay. Okay, Stevie? Yeah. Um, then this is all a quote from her. Mm-hmm. She said, what animal would I marry? Good question. I might marry a horse. Definitely a male horse. Lucky me. He has one sure thing going for him. Bitch, what the what? Oh my God. Huh? <laughs> what? Okay, first of all, that question's setting you up for failure. Fucking pardon? Because any reason for picking an animal to marry over another is going to be wrong. But, I mean, I respect that decision. I respect it. I would be like, I would marry probably, like, a monkey so we could, like, sit and eat bananas together. Okay, while your heads were in different places. She's like, I would marry a male horse. with its. What animal would you marry? I feel like I'd marry, like, a cat. Like, a sleek Mm. black cat. Obviously, it'd be a female. I'm about to marry a male animal. <laughs> so aside from Jillian Anderson admitting that she wants to marvel at a horse's huge dick, what animal would you marry, Stevie? I think David Duchovny. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 
Emily made that joke and I made her set it up so I could say it. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's the same fucking I think, thing. I think you're in it for the same reasons that Jillian is. Absolutely. <laughs> Just wanted to grunt and fuck me. That's all you can expect in men anyways. What's the fucking difference? <laughs> oh my god this is off the rails <laughs> we've gone off the grid but like what does she mean what are you talking about you know what she's talking about <laughs> no, but like is she actually talking about that no, she's making she's joking she's just saying that she would pick that because she wants to be fucked with a giant dick she's not saying she wants to fuck a horse <laughs> <laughs> um okay would you like to finish the quote i can't get over that okay. yeah go ahead finish the quote that 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 like radiates the same energy as her talking about how she wanted to cover David Beckham's dick with a tadpole <laughs> on national television. That's the same energy. That's my favorite video clip. She's just it's just so funny how she so quickly retreats. <laughs> She's like, never mind. Well change the subject. The thing it is, is that like I think more women should be openly horny in public. Men fucking are all the time. I am pro women being publicly horny. Yeah, we support women's sex drive. We support female horniness. Mm-hmm. I'm horny and I'm proud. I mean, not for a horse, but <laughs> I have him in my bed, but not on my wall. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> Another example of her being horny. Finish the fucking quote. So the rest of the quote. So the second question is. Uh, what is the largest animal I could kill with my bare hands? Who's asking these questions? I don't know what questions. fucking magazine this was for. I feel like it's PETA. <laughs> she said, she said, okay, so the only way I can think about this is if it's a cartoon animal. Let's say it's an evil animal with rabies and I had to kill it to save my life. I might be able to manage a ferret. <laughs> Which I thought was really cute. That's cute that she had to be like, I'm not going to imagine this with a real animal. Just imagining her wrestling a ferret is like very pleasing to me. What animal could you kill with it, with your bare hands? I think my answer would still be the same. <laughs> that was a good one. I mean, like kill with your bare hands or just just choke. Like just on the verge. Just like like edge towards it. Yeah. Just like edge Maybe towards, just yeah. edge. <laughs> Maybe just edge, edging a little bit. It's yeah, like, yeah, towards. you could choke him to death, or like, or just choke him. So, like, which what what's the largest animal you could choke? <laughs> I think Jillian would get would get on great on this podcast. She would. Clearly, we're all in the same headspace. <laughs> we all want a horse cock. <laughs> <laughs> you have to no. keep that in. <laughs> that has to be the title. <laughs> This quote has, like, launched me into another dimension. I don't know where I am. <laughs> Is there more? Um, no, that's it. That's the whole thing. Okay. But what animal could I kill with my bare hands? Um, I mean, if I had to choose, the answer would be none. I'm trying to think of an animal that I don't like. <laughs> what rubs me the wrong way? <laughs> we, all know, we all know what animal would rub you the right way. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Anyways, let us know, listeners, what um, what animal would you marry and what animal would you kill with your bare hands? Can't wait to hear your imagine. Answer. Imagine getting to interview Julian Anderson and those are the two questions that you ask her. Honestly, Maybe. like I could see that happening to me. Like I just get so panicked, and that's what I go to. I'm like, what's your favorite mineral? <laughs> Anyways, 
that's the episode. Thank you so much for listening. We love you to pieces. And we'll see you next time on, on This X-Files. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>